0: Welcome everybody, it's Draft Politics. We're in part two of episode 16, where we're going to be talking about Circus 2020 and a little bit of the local stuff. I am, as always, EJ, and I'm here with... Steve.
1: I'm right. Welcome everybody. Uh, We're here at Spiteful Brewing, having some wonderful beers. Uh, We just got a refresh to, before we started a debate's coverage, so uh, what do you got there, EJ? I I have got alley
0: time which uh, I was introduced to by my neighbor uh, who used to live next to the original Spiteful Brewing before they moved up here to Belmoral. And he said, like, this is the best beer ever. He just discovered they could get it in cans again. I may buy some for him on the way back just because he loves it so much. And I I can't visit here without having one of these alley times. It's like 6%. It doesn't uh, sort of smack you in the mouth, but it's still fresh and crispy and...
1: Excellent. It's really good. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. I did need something a little stronger after all the Trump talk
1: in, in section 1. So For sure. Yeah, and I went with the uh, Peach Blonde. It's a uh, blonde ale. Uh, it has just it's interesting like one of the things I I find fascinating about fruit in beers is like how widely that can vary. Cuz something says yeah. it has peach in it, that can mean everything from it tastes like you're eating a peach to just a hint of peach. Right. Uh, and this is definitely one on the hint of peach side. Uh, there's a little little hop at the front, but it's nice and smooth, and you get a, kind of that almost like you're just smelling peaches while you're drinking a good beer. So uh, it's working out well for me. It's not like somebody is yelling
0: the word peaches from another room while right, you're drinking right. it. It's just that right. subtle. You know, it's like
1: like you know, like La Croix, where it's like you know, it tastes a little like a fruit, but not yeah. really that strongly. It's like that. You can imagine a fruit was no fruit were harmed. In the making
0: of this beer. Okay, so let's talk about Circus 2020. I mean, it was a great week. We had debates. I still don't know if it's one debate or two debate across two nights. Debate part one and two. <laughs> so
1: I'm so hoping that we only have one debate next time. Um, so for those of you who are maybe new to the podcast, hopefully there's some of you out there. First of all, rate us on iTunes. Second of all, uh, I'm the local host of Drinking Liberally, which, of course, means I, I usually do a debate watch event. And so this has meant that every time we have a debate, I have two nights of going and hanging out at the bar watching the debate. Three uh, nights if we podcast. <laughs> yes. And so I found that the first night I was energized. I was into it. I was excited. Now, part of it is my favorite candidate, Warren, was, was in the debate. I felt like a second night I was like, this is three hours. Like, if I was watching a football game, it would also be three hours. But like, it'd be a lot more going on.
0: <laughs> I mean, so,
1: I is there really? But,
0: I actually think there's as much
1: going on in the well, debate as there is in a football game. And Lord knows that CNN did their best to make this seem like a sport rather than a, a political event. So I, I have got to say, just before we talk
0: about the actual performances, yes. First of all, I watched them all on tape delay, using a an old sporting Cause, reference. Because you
1: did not want to stay up till three in the morning. No, it's true. It's true. I did <laughs> not. But
0: I, I would love to figure out a way to fund a nonpartisan, non, uh,
1: for-profit organization to host debates. This is not. This is not difficult. All that needs to happen. All the DNC needs to do is hire a video crew, which is trivial. Uh, I, I, you know, Netroots Nation does this every year where they have video broadcasting of the thing. Streaming, they make a deal from there to say, hey, CNN, Fox News, MSNBC, we'll sell you the streaming rights to this for X amount of dollars, that'll pay for the whole thing, good to go. I think part of the reason why they don't do that, though, is because this sort of puts the onus on the news networks to figure out how they're going to actually do the the debate, how they're going to cover it, yeah. how the moderation is going to go. If they make it to the DNC, recall in 2016 all the talk of rigging and all that, that gets pretty messy quickly if the DNC is saying who the moderators are, what the format is, all that sort of stuff. Yeah, and well, that's fair. I just... I don't, I don't like
0: that the first four days of debates have felt like a mix of some very substantive things, which I appreciated, but also some times where it felt like the moderators were trying to make they, headlines they were, for themselves. Well, they were trying to pick fights, very yeah.
1: clearly. Um, yeah, that was frustrating. Um, although, you know, we could go the other direction. I've had this thought is um, we do brackets. And so what you do is you have, say, four to six candidates in each debate. Top two go on to the next round, and you just do the sort of process of elimination. Uh, you go from the, thir- like, maybe 32 candidates. Let's be a little generous. 32 get in there. Cut it down to a sweet 16, a final four. Come on. How can you go wrong with that? I, don't, I was thinking more like an eight-mile rap battle. Remember, we'll that could also work. That. I,
0: I would could, I would I would really enjoy that. <laughs> I would enjoy that as well. I mean, so you know, I thought just generally format wise, some of that sort of Jake Tapper, you know, trying to get people to say things, you know, Warren and Sanders to either go after each other yeah, or get them was, to say, you're gonna raise taxes on the middle class. That
1: was awful. Like the like his constant attempt to get one of them to say i'm going to raise middle class taxes yeah and brand just saying what are you reading from the republican playbook like well and i liked how he called them out on that and then he's like and now you're going to run ads for health insurance during the commercial break um you know i mean it was a very it was a very right-wing framing of that issue because i mean ultimately you know i was thinking about this a little bit as i was coming over here If you're, for most people, what they would see is if you're working and you have an employer-sponsored health insurance plan, that money comes out of your paycheck, right? And your taxes come out of your paycheck, right? So for most of those people, they wouldn't be paying more, right? And they would just, it would all be coming out of the paycheck. So to them, it would actually have almost no difference whatsoever, except for they would get better quality care, they would get dental coverage, and they would get optical coverage, which you don't get necessarily. I mean, some, my employer sure. has those options. Some do, some don't. You wouldn't have, it wouldn't be an HMO. You could stick with your doctor. You could go back to that doctor you had to leave a year ago because your insurance wouldn't cover it anymore. Oh, I
0: thought you mean because Obama
1: Obamacare. Well, yeah. But I think that thanks that's, Obama.
0: you know, thanks, Obama. Well, that was one of the other themes that maybe we'll touch on, but yeah. is the somehow obama hate now but the i think that point unfortunately while a reality is a is a point of nuance that will not carry in any kind of election yeah you can't ask people to look at their paycheck and say no add those two things up and now i'm gonna say that this is probably gonna gonna be less than that yeah,
1: this because is going to go to zero, and this will go higher, and maybe it might be a little more, and it might be a little less. It just depends. Yeah, but um, maybe
0: that plus, you know, maybe that's a little more. But the amount that is more per month is going to be less than your deductible per year, right? Nobody's going to be able to do that math, and the the fact of the matter is that nobody knows that that's how it's going to work out. I mean, that's how we
1: think it would work out, right? Right? And and that is the theory of the case, but. Yeah, and I, I did appreciate that they did spend a good chunk of time on healthcare, but I felt like it all ended up being, be, just because of the nature of you've got 10 people on stage talking about this, it ended up being a very superficial debate, and, and the, the parameters of the conversation were about full-blown Medicare for all versus yep. public option without any real discussion of how does a rollout work? What are the nuances of that, which I think are are very important, and there are... Things to think about in terms of Medicare for all and, and, and what some of the downsides might be of a public option, even if it gives you the sense of choice, what are some of those gaps? And we didn't right. get into any of that. No, And, um, and I wonder,
0: it's, it's something that, of course, I don't know the answer to, but I'm curious about, like, what level of detail does that need to go into? Yeah, And, you know, I think I was glad to see that we didn't have the hand-raising questions this time. Oh, raise God. your hand if yes. you want Medical care for all and want to get rid of private insurance and have to go to the bathroom.
1: Yeah. Like oh, uh, uh me, I don't Yeah, I did appreciate the rules being a little bit better yeah. at this time. So that was good. But you know, I think like looking at some of the the things that happened around the healthcare stuff. I mean, you had you had Bullock talking about how he was really glad he had good private insurance when his kid had uh, you know, a health crisis. It was like, "Well, that's good for you, but there's you know, millions of people who don't have insurance at all. There are millions more who, with that situation, would have gone bankrupt. Yeah. So there's, there's a deeper thing than your kid, which, you know, hey, I get the personal story, but you got to think a little deeper than that.
0: Yeah, and I will say two things. One, I thought Bullock actually was very good in the debate. I thought he was generally, generally pretty good. But on that, he probably could have framed that better. And said, the look on your face is classic. Oh, yeah,
1: no. no. <laughs> um, <laughs> nuclear first strike, that's all I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> Generally,
0: very good. But on that, I thought he could have framed it in such a way to say, to help people remember that there will be a lot of people who don't like the idea of their insurance going away because they have had good experiences.
1: But, right? s- but see, this is this is what frustrates me about this conversation is because we're talking about... People having good experiences with their insurance. That's not a thing. There are there is people who have neutral experiences with their insurance Fair. in that yep. things are paid for and they're and they're you know and they're not unreasonable and they don't fight them too much. What people have good experiences with is their doctor. It's the person actually providing the care. It is the nurse who's doing that work. Insurance is like just the thing that's like it's the key to your car. I heard this analogy this week and I loved it. It's the key to your car. You're not going to argue about which key you have as long as it gets you into the car and you have and you and you might like your Camaro or your, you know, your minivan or whatever. That's what's important. The key itself is is a barrier to entry to that. So my
0: car in particular yes. had a little flip flip-out key. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, I, my and Volkswagen used to have yeah, that, Yeah, GM recalled all those because of an ignition problem.
1: Yes. You may recall. See,
0: you need a Medicare for All. And uh, I got the key that was like, I got a key that was separated. It wasn't the flip-out key anymore because I cared about it so much, and I'm not making this up. I took a Dremel and I cut the actual blade for the key out, and I bought some things and reassembled the original flip-out
1: key because I cared about the key. So <laughs> that's kind of like it's not pri- it's not it's not Medicare for all. It's not private insurance. It's like it's like you sort of hack together this like guerrilla group of you and twelve friends who all pool their money. Like yeah, that's like that it, that's it, that version. Yeah, and of we've insurance. got a mob doctor, right? That we right. Yeah. You just like he's a vet part time. <laughs> yeah, on Tuesdays. And, yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah. Uh, that's Breaking Bad,
0: actually. Now you're yeah, confusing it, it with Breaking Bad. Well, you know. But that's, you know, magnets. I, yeah. I, I do think <laughs> that the Again, the nuance is gonna be lost. I, I I I do think that there is a good point to be made to at least acknowledge that the ideas that are being bandied about can make people uncomfortable. Yeah, absolutely. And, and that's and that's there that's was, the point that I'm and making. And there
1: was actually a really good Survey that I saw, it was done by YouGov, I believe, where they actually asked people in several different ways what they thought about Medicare for All. And they asked them, What do you think about Medicare for All replacing your private health insurance? And it was over 50%. People were very happy about that. It asked them with the framing of, If we take away your health care or your health insurance, it it went down. If if you then had one, and it was like a paragraph long, which is what makes me a little nervous about this. It's a paragraph-long thing where it's like, if you were given the two of the following arguments, one saying we're going to take away your health insurance yeah. and one saying we're going to replace it, with, it ended up going back to 51%. And and I bring this up because it suggests that having that identified as an, a thing people are concerned about and pushing back on it can get to a positive result. Yeah. Uh,
0: again, I, I, yeah. I, because it's so complicated... And it is so important to people. I think we have to recognize what it means for folks. Absolutely. And and the messaging is important, which also means that the messaging that the Republicans can take
1: is easier for them. right? It's a simpler path for them to... Well, you know, but... uh, So, two things on this. One, I, I will say I did while it bothered the hell out of me the way that CNN was framing things, I kind of liked that it forced Warren and Sanders to confront it on those terms because that's what they're going to be doing for the next yeah, it's year true. and a half or so, if all goes well. It's true. And so there's that. As far as the Republicans and whether it's easier for them or not, at this point, they would be defending Taking away health care because that's what they've done so far. Yeah, that's true. Versus, I'm going to try to make the system actually better. And even they can like go back to what Trump said in 2016, where he was basically suggesting, you know, fairly positive things about health care and all the things he didn't do, and saying we want to do those things. Yeah.
0: And and I guess you know I think uh, Mayor Pete was right in saying it doesn't matter what we propose. We're going to be labeled as socialists and yeah. lefties I feel like anyway, so overall, it's a fair point.
1: Yeah, overall, I feel like Buttigieg actually, I felt like, had a pretty good debate. I relative thought he to did, last one. Yeah, um, I thought that was really a good thing, you know, and, and he, there was a couple other points. I don't remember a lot of specifics, but I remember him regularly getting in there. I did find interesting he kept talking about his youth. It was like, clearly he has some indication that being the younger candidate and. Presenting that will help him stand out in some positive way. Um, It was also weird, like in in keeping on that vein, he talked about you know the young rising leadership around, and 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 he avoided talking about any young leadership in this country, which I feel like would have led to talk of you know Ilhan Omar and and uh, Ayanna (laughs) Presley and AOC, et cetera, et cetera. Rashida Tlaib, that was the other one I was trying to think of. Yeah um, and
0: it, that you know I hadn't noticed that until I saw your comment about it and yeah. I I think that that's a really interesting an interesting point um And of course he wasn't the first person to bring up New Zealand in the debates at all cuz Marianne Williamson famously said she would
1: start by trying to start a fight right with the prime minister of New Zealand right as you do Yeah we've been talking about New Zealand Which I I appreciate having recently gone there, but it does seem like we've been talking about a weirdly large amount in these debates. A theory I want to run by you. Okay. And and this isn't in the notes, so this is totally catching off guard. We are both poker players. My theory on Buttigieg is he's a grinder. Yeah. He's like, he's not really putting himself out there much. He's just trying to kind of stick around to the final pot.
0: Yeah, yeah. He's yeah, that's I think that's true. He's like not, he got
1: out there, he made that initial. He went all in early, got his pot. He's now yeah. got a little bit he's of money a to bit work with. He's can, just kind of just like I'm gonna with. just wait this out, let a few people fall out, and then I'm gonna
0: make my move. And for anybody who's listening, um, that is that really is a poker term. It it refers to somebody who is out there who's you know making money, a living playing poker, like making small wins all the time. Yep. Right? That's not some kind of reference to
1: a to an app on your phone. Or a sandwich. Right. Uh, interestingly, uh, Obama apparently played poker and was also a grinder. <laughs> so there you go. Good to there know. There it is. There the it more is. you know, everybody.
0: Exactly. The more you know. That's the poker segment of our, <laughs> of our evening. That is the poker segment. And, uh, you know, so I guess here's the question for you. You know, what were... Who do you thought, winners and losers, from
1: from um, the first night? Uh, I think Tim Ryan was a loser on this. Just because I kind of forgot about him after a point. I'm like, oh yeah, Tim Ryan was debating. And, and um, he did
0: agree with Donald Trump at one point, right? Yeah, so he, I think th- is- yeah he
1: started off a phrase with, I think Trump was onto something. And I literally I have no idea what the rest of that statement was, but no. I'm like, no no no, you you just already screwed up. Well, because I expected the floor to open up underneath right. him. <laughs> like remote control. Big, a big cane comes off and hooks him and pulls him off stage. <laughs> Play me off, Charlie. Um, honestly, I feel like oh yeah, and then the other one would be Delaney who was was being like set on fire all night long by uh, Warren and Sanders. I mean, he he's a I mean, he's a self-funded candidate for the most part. Obviously got his 65,000 donations, but yeah. you know, he's a wealthy guy. He's coming out he ended up after the debate, he went on Fox News to complain about all of this. Like, this guy is not a legitimate candidate and not this the debate. spin room you're looking for there, No, man. no. You you're doing it all wrong. And Um, But once again, I feel like it was, you know, like I was complaining about CNN, you know, and the way they were approaching it. I didn't like him, but ultimately he made Warren look amazing. Like, it gave her a lot of chance to, like, put out some good lines and really defend her positions and look strong. Yeah, I mean, her
0: line about, you know, I don't understand why anybody goes off to all the trouble of running for president just to talk about what they can't do. Like, yeah, well, there it is. and and again, she could have just shut down after that. Yeah, and now, ladies and gentlemen, once again, I'm done and I win. Yes, and I'm walking away. Yeah, and but I I did think that I I appreciated that there was clearly some uh, recognition between Warren and Sanders that it was best for for them to to stay on their points and not attack one another. Yeah, they,
1: and I think it's like. I don't know if they have some understanding between them or the fact that they just come from a similar place, similar positions and are just sort of like organically coming to this point. But it's like they're not they're not going after each other and they see no reason to do so. No. And and, I mean, I really don't think they should. No. I mean, I, I did hear that interview
0: with Bernie Sanders where they were saying, like, trying to get Bernie to say something nice about Elizabeth Warren. And Bernie's like, well, I've worked with her for a number of years.
1: Yeah, I mean we're friends, right? It's yeah, anything it's more fine.
0: specific than that? Well, yeah. what do you want me to say? I
1: and they were trying to get Warren to throw By- uh, Bernie under the bus, and he's like, "She's not, gonna, she's not going to do that." Um, huh. I really enjoyed the uh, the retort Sanders had. I think it was to Tim Ryan. The whole "I wrote the damn bill." Yeah, it was like, yeah, it was going back and forth about the unions and the guy, yeah. and he's like, "Oh, you know, but unions are concerned they're going to lose their benefits, and this isn't going to be as good for them." And he's like, "Yes, it is. I, I wrote, wrote the, the damn, damn bill." bill. So I want to talk about this union part of this a little bit because you saw a lot of candidates who were bringing that issue up and are clearly playing to that union base, right? Um, And there's two sides of this. One is if you take health insurance off the table for these unions, they don't have to have that in their negotiations anymore. They can focus on wages rather than having to worry about health care policies. So that would be a good thing for union mostly for the people in unions where it gets complicated is for the unions themselves because you have many states where um there's the right there's no right to work or excuse me there's the right to work laws. yeah exactly this is one of those yes good branding by somebody but it's it's the opposite of what it means to right to work for less laws um unions in those areas often use health care benefits as a tool to get people into yeah. the union and so if they negotiate your wages those wages are independent of the union but they can they can negotiate a good health care policy you know that's something else. Now, maybe what they need to do is just rethink about, okay, well, here's some other benefit we can do to hook people in, that, you know, like something in terms of like a 401k, yada, yada. But a free market, right? So they've got to find another way to differentiate themselves yeah. in the market. I, but know, it's going to, yeah, it, it does, it does give, a, give them a challenge. But I think in the long run, if you're thinking about workers, it's absolutely better if you don't have to screw around with your employer paying for your insurance. I, so,
0: and this is probably a topic that would be really cool to do an entire episode on, or just a section of an episode. But when somebody says they aren't for Medicare for all or healthcare for everybody, you know, the number of businesses that would benefit from that. And Andrew Yang brought this
1: up, actually. He did. Yeah. But that was night two. That was night t- Sorry, I'm getting ahead of myself, but. But You're no, right. I he mean, did. credit to yeah. him, like he brought up the fact that, you know, entrepreneurship and, and all of that would grow if we didn't have to worry about sticking with a given company for the benefits. Right. No, absolutely. And, you know, and ultimately, if companies want to have other benefits to get you to stick around, there's plenty of options. Yeah. Um, you know, my, my employer has lots of great benefits outside of healthcare, And so that's an option for them, you know, if they want to do that. Yeah, and I, I I don't know. To me, there,
0: there are very few downsides. So, uh, you know, I think Bernie and I think Elizabeth Warren probably had the most effective night. I thought Mayor Pete was good.
1: Look, I know we clearly disagree on Bullock, but... Well, I think fundamentally, if you talk about just sort of his overall energy level and the way he presented himself, I think he was fine. I think he's fairly far outside of where the voters are at in the primary and so I think that it's going to like I don't see him getting a bump in the polls. Let's just put it that way. Oh, uh, I I think he will.
0: But but I don't think it's going to be a huge bump. I because I look if you look at all the candidates you know he is somebody who and maybe this is me just being biased ahead of time because I was excited to hear about him anyway. not that I'm going to vote for him or necessarily give him any money, but I might, but I probably won't the you know he's somebody with executive experience who's won a statewide race in a place that is traditionally conservative yeah, you know that
1: those are things that yeah and I can that see do resonate and if you're looking for Somebody who is a little more youthful than uh, than the current front runner to sort of c- carry a more moderate position, I could see where Bullock would would fit into yeah, that. Yeah,
0: he's he's something like 30, 30, 32, 34, 36, 30, 28 years younger. I don't know some some series of numbers. Well, something with numbers. Something with. We'll numbers. get to that. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Um, yeah, so I'm, I'm trying to think if there was, like, of any other major moments in it. Um, I mean, I feel like it ended up being the progressive wing versus yeah. a bunch of people who aren't going to be in this debate next time. And, I, you know, I will say that was one of my frustrations about this whole thing is there was between the segmentation between debate night one and debate night two is there was a lot of, like, we're referencing people who aren't on the stage right now, and yeah. it was hard to have a conversation about some of these things without those people there. And you had weird, like you know, Delaney being a proxy for, you know, a more, you know, something more like a Biden or whatever in terms of like their thoughts on healthcare policy. Yeah,
0: that's a really interesting the the sort of proxy thing. We've got to well, uh, we've got to attack somebody who's not here, so you're close enough. Um, I I did find it also interesting, and, and again we need to move on to, d- to yeah. day two. But you know this idea like day one, all white people. No, oh, yeah, um,
1: yeah. Which you know, uh, I mean I like that it, on night yeah. two it was not all white people, but it does feel like we could do better. <laughs> but we, we certainly could. I I
0: actually. Um, and actually, I should say this because we didn't really talk about this. Beto, great Senate Senate performance. I think he did just well enough to make him think that he should stick around. But oh
1: God! <laughs> but <laughs> I, I, Beto, you, you, I mean, I, here's the thing: like, he's not. He did not do as bad as the first debate. No, but he set the bar quite low. So. Yeah, exactly. Hey, hey, remember the first debate? I, like, tripped,
0: and I, like, I actually was wearing two different color shoes. Well, this time I
1: was way better. Here's but, like, the thing that he's, his problem is he doesn't really have any clear message about why he is running other than, like, because you remember, like, originally he was, like, this is my, like, he was, like, my destiny and stuff. Like, he was talking about, like, it's very much an ego, yeah. I'm so important way of looking at it. And... I think what distinguishes the candidates who are doing better are those who have a, here's why I am important to put in the presidency beyond the fact that I just want the power or whatever else. So I think Beto will probably stick around and I think it'll be to his great regret when he's- uh, To our great regret. Well, possibly, our. honestly though, I don't think he's, I think he's done enough to undermine himself that Running for Senate, he's not really in a good position to do that anymore. Uh, Anyhow. Okay, night two. Night two.
0: Uh, So here's a a funny thing about night two. Kamala Harris, I was talking to one of my colleagues who's Finnish, and there's a Finnish word, Kamala, which means terrible. (laughs) And so every time (laughs) he hears Kamala Harris, he just thinks Terrible. Well, Any would it be chuckles. but
1: maybe it's more Harris the Terrible. In which case that sounds a little more cool. That's
0: uh, like Hagar the Horrible, right, the right, comic yeah. strip that yeah. I used to read. Um, yeah. and she was fairly terrible on
1: night 2. She, you know, I felt like she she had really good success on the first debate. Yeah. I feel like she was trying a little too hard to land the same kind of blow the second night and it just wasn't happening. Yeah, you can't go back to bussing. Yeah. I mean
0: like it was an effective point. It is a fair point, but you can't bring it up in the second like, yeah, yeah, yeah you gotta unless you do like, hey, uh, everybody who watched the first night, this is a good time for a bathroom break because I'm going to go back to the script from the yeah. you know from night one,
1: yeah, and I have to say I'm like it didn't really help her much that like coming into the debate i was I saw her uh her education po- her uh college funding policy <laughs> I couldn't so get
0: to it because I didn't click on all the right combination of right. things. So,
1: the- so if, here's, let me make sure I have a, let me try to lay this out and s- you, you catch me and see if I screw any of this up. So first of all, it would be $20,000 that would be a credit towards Pell Grants. Right. So you first of all have to get Pell Grants, which is a need-based loan sure. thing. Okay. And if you follow all the criteria, you will only get 20000 and the criteria are you have to start a business in a, uh, a uh, like, I don't know what the exact phrasing of it was, but like an underprivileged neighborhood. And, yeah, you know? there, is a, there is an EOC designation yes. for neighborhood. Yes, yeah. yeah. So you have to go to one of those neighborhoods, you have to start a business, and you have to keep the business running for three years. Yeah. And then when you do that, you get $20,000. I get that right. I feel like I got that mostly right. Uh, here's what I'm going to say. Yeah.
0: Probably <laughs> it doesn't matter cuz you, did, it's you so did not write the damn bill. I, I did not write the damn bill. Okay. I mean, so, I mean it felt like it
1: it felt like somebody was just grabbing weird like whoever wrote that well, policy. And like, it makes no sense no. cuz like if I can get the capital to run a business for 3 years, I don't need the 20,000. Yeah. It's that simple. It's like if you can raise money enough to run a business for three years successfully. And also, what if you are a teacher or a doctor or a librarian or something else that's actually meaningfully contributing to society and you just didn't happen to start a business? Are you not worth it? What the hell? I, I don't think tone deaf is the right word. It was just like confusing. Like who was looking at right, that? Just going like, the, like it just didn't ma- like it was like they were trying to appeal to like too many people or something or but.
0: no people, like they didn't want to say that we're giving things away, but we have to say we have some kind of forgiveness thing. But we have to have like I nine mean, at fallbacks. Least, like,
1: make the the number bigger because you have so many weird criteria. Yeah, like, you know here here's a million dollars. I mean whatever. Like yeah, it's all forgiven. Uh, yeah. I would love
0: to be Anyhow, able. To, yeah, uh, wait, let's I got not a little sidetracked
1: from the debate itself because that never came up in the debate. Uh, but she had other problems. We'll get into. She had. She did have some other prob- yeah. problems. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, she got so. Biden uh, went after her about um, prison labor, and he, he told everybody to Google uh, about this. And he like mentioned a specific article. It's actually a, uh, a, a article from the Beast. Uh, and. Basically, what happened was that uh, there was a ruling by a court to say that they need to release a certain number of prisoners for reasons I'm a little hazy on. And and there was pushback from the state of California saying that they needed those people for, for prison labor. And so that looks pretty bad, is we're going to keep people in prison just to provide labor. That sounds a little slavery-like, I'm just going to say. But if you look at the details of it, um, that was somebody who did work for Kamala Harris, but it wasn't something she wrote. It wasn't her, her response. It was their response, and she a- apparently was pretty bothered by it. But is it an effective attack on her in the course of the debate? Assuming you Google it, assuming you Google it,
0: and nobody's better at telling you what to go Google than Joe Biden. Yes, Google he's okay with. Google he's all right with. You know, you you're kind of expecting like. So you're gonna go to uh, thebeast.com uh,
1: forward slash tilde. <laughs> I just imagine like running off like a short URL. It's is.gd/xrq73. <laughs> okay, look, we just got to skip ahead of this because like we're just so. My overall impression of Biden for the course of the debate was, I didn't really like his answers necessarily, but I felt like he weathered the storm because everybody was going after him. And so I came away thinking he actually had a pretty strong performance, roughly, until the he, <laughs> until the landing. <laughs> <I> mean, <laughs> so you know, you, you watch a gymnastics competition; they do this tremendous flip, oh, yeah, and then and then they just <laughs> they they try to land, and ah, it does not work. No. And if you watched the first half of
0: the debate, you were like, "Wow, Joe Biden was killing it." Yes. I, I mean, I thought he was. His his answers were. He was far better than the first debate. Oh yes, absolutely, he, yeah, absolutely. I mean uh, he was clearly all all.
1: much more prepared for Kamala's well, attack. He had ammunition to go after her. He was right. definitely in a better position.
0: And and his answers were sharper. He was clearer. I I thought he acted like a front front runner. And it, it also helped that there were there were attacks on on Obama policies and whatnot during that debate. And and I think there is a whole question about sort of fracturing of the Democratic Party across the last week or so. But, you know, I thought he was
1: very good, very strong. And then. And then. So what he was trying to do, if, if I understand this correctly, was say text Joe to, like, 30330 or something like that. Sure. Sure. But Snapchat he got confused. to my story. And was more treating it like it's a URL and, like, Go to Joe 30330. And he was saying it like he wasn't sure if he was right. I, I mean, when he started, when he said it, I was like, does he
0: know that the election is in 2020? Right. He's like,
1: it was very strange. And and here's, the pe- here's like, my favorite part of this. So he ended up looking a bit of a buffoon at the end. Maybe it had a senior moment vibe. I'm just going to put it out there. And then. What happened was somebody went out and immediately registered Joe30330 or whatever .com. Uh, no, so, oh, yeah, all yeah. of the, all, all of them the 303 variants. Oh, yes. Because,
0: and that was the hardest thing for me about watching it on tape delay. Because
1: I was like, well, all those are bought now. <laughs> <laughs> Which is what? hilarious. As I was listening to a live stream of, uh, of post-debate coverage uh, from a podcast I like. And. They were like, "Hold on, we got to try to buy this domain," and they're like, "Damn, it's already gone." <laughs> but yeah, yeah, no, somebody got it, uh, and and temporarily directed it to uh, Pete Buttigieg's site because they were a Pete Buttigieg fan. Well, no, there's
0: there's one, so because okay. it's all like, 30330, 3330, like three o three three o three 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 o three o three eight six seven five three o nine, like all of those have been bought. One was bought by Biden's campaign, or at least rebought, so it goes to Joe Biden's website. Yes. One still goes to Pete Buttigieg's site, and one goes to,
1: like, Josh for President. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the one I was thinking of, is Josh for President. So, so, Josh, good on you. Yeah, and he, he had originally pointed it to Buttigieg, and then the Buttigieg campaign is like, ah, and then he, he took it back. But they got one, too. But then they
0: got one, too. So I yeah, no I mean, I, so I was so far behind that by the time I got to look for them— It was already pointed to him. And, you know, here's the thing. I'd donate some money to him. Saying, like, right now, 20% of Democratic voters have given money to more than one presidential candidate. So what the hell? Yeah. I'm in. Josh, why don't you come on the the podcast? (laughs) Rate us on iTunes, Josh. Rate us on iTunes, Josh. (laughs) Uh, We'll buy you some pizza, send it to your dorm. I mean, did you see the video on his website? No. Oh, yeah, it's in his door. Nice. Nice. So clearly, Josh, Josh for President 2020, won the debates from <laughs> <laughs> some very quick purchasing of He the best, yeah, the best closing argument, for sure. I mean, I, look, I mean, across them, uh, Harris struggled, right? She, uh, she struggled against Biden. She struggled against Tulsi Gabbard.
1: Yeah, and, who got her on. This is another one where it's like it's a, it's a bit of a smear, but it sounded good at the time. I mean, it's like you know, saying that she had locked up a bunch of you know marijuana yeah. users, and then you know laughed about it when she was on a you know interview, which she made it sound like if she was laughing about the people being arrested, which is like a little questionable. Um, and when you look at it, it's like okay, yeah, she was the attorney general of California when marijuana is illegal, and so therefore people were arrested and yeah. prosecuted because. That's the way that works. Yeah, your job as um, the attorney general is And to- the laughing about it was—and, you know, and honestly, I will say I find—this is something I found frustrating. This is something Obama did, too, where it's like, you know, they are very joking about how they did marijuana. And, and then there are people who are in jail for yeah. years and years for, you know— possession or you know i mean sometimes it's you know higher higher levels of crime but it's still nonviolent drug sure. offenses yeah. um which hey shout out to pritzker for fixing that here in illinois to some extent so yay on that but anyhow that's our local podcast yeah, there it is and the local <laughs> news brought to you by jb pritzker and uh, so <laughs> jb pritzker not as bad as you thought
0: he'd be <laughs> there it is <laughs> I, I, I do think, you know, she did not have a good debate. I thought Cory Booker, on the other hand, oh, had excellent great debate.
1: <laughs> what, what was that line? It was so good. It was about Kool-Aid. You're, you're dipping in the Kool-Aid and you don't even know the flavor. <laughs> Which I've got to say, I was like, do
0: I, should I know what that, I don't know what that means. I don't, <laughs>
1: I'm not. I'm well, not you sure know when well, there, there was the there was the Kool Aid that would change colors, and have different flavors, so maybe that's what he's talking about. I, I, don't, I, know. I don't.
0: I went to Kool Aid 30, thirty thirty two <laughs> thirty thirty <laughs> dot com, thinking I would get the answer,
1: and didn't. Texted Kool Aid. I, I hope that there is some member of our audience who's sitting here listening to this conversation and is just like, just, just face palming. Just like, come on, guys. I like, mean, pl- I, is, I don't. How do you not know this? I. I don't. But,
0: um, I mean, drinking the Kool Aid, right?
1: We're out. But but like, dipping. I, I really. But I really actually like that whole count. That exchange back and forth between them was awesome. Like it was. He, you know, Booker going after Biden on on uh, the the crime bill and talking about how people were in jail because of what Biden did. Yeah. And and is perhaps a somewhat aggressive interpretation of it, but not entirely so. And then Biden coming back at him about how Newark was run. And, you know, and that's where that got into is it. It basically like saying, Biden, you don't know what the hell you're talking about. Um, although yeah. the cool headline is much better than that. So it, it, it was
0: it was really good. I think I, I think Booker stood out in a in a way I was really happy to see him. Like this was the Cory Booker that I had been hoping to see before. Yeah.
1: Really yeah, good. Yeah, like I have, I have mixed feelings on Booker, um, but I've seen him. I've seen him speak, and he's a really good speaker. And I really, been, I really appreciate a lot of like. I mean, he's good at the emotional appeal and talking about where he comes from and the yeah. neighborhood he lives in and and all that sort of stuff. And so. And being uh, a little more extemporaneous, yeah. Like and I think so, he felt scripted in in debate one.
0: And yeah, I think like you so know, so I feel
1: like you know, debate one almost feels like it was the preseason in a way, like everybody sort of like did a little bit better in pre, in the in the second debate. Like, didn't the Broncos play in the Hall of Fame game last? Yes, night? they did. <laughs> it was it was as exciting as you think it was. <laughs> Kevin Hogan, everybody, know that name. He so started in the Hall of President. Fame game. He'll be in the Hall of Fame someday, probably not. <laughs> yeah but
0: I, you know uh, uh, sorry for that little diversion right. there but
1: <laughs> we've had a poker diversion we had a football diversion you know
0: it seemed like the right time we've had
1: a couple beers it's, it's a and Friday his, his it's quote the about
0: uh, the Paris Accords being you know just kindergarten I thought oh, was yeah. great especially when yeah, we had Andrew Yang it's like it's 10 years too late
1: I want to be president over a dystopian world of like like I, so I feel like if you took the talking points of Andrew Yang and the talking points of Jay Inslee and combined them, you have the like intro scene of a Terminator movie. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like, like the, art, the artificial intelligence is coming to destroy us and the planet is too hot and we will all die. Yeah, I, I was picturing. But, you know, I respect the fact that they're like, I like both of them being in these debates, at least at this point in the conversation, yeah. for putting those ideas out there. Um, there's, I feel like of all the issues, I mean, there are many issues that are important to me, but I feel like more and more, I feel like climate change is the one that needs to be at the top of the agenda because it is the only one that has a timeline on it. Like we, if we don't get insurance figured out, (laughs) yes, there more people will die than necessary, but like civilization probably won't collapse. On the other hand, if we don't fix climate change, civilization will probably collapse. That's true. And that's generally speaking, I'm told. Bad. Bad. The Dark Ages suggest I am correct. <laughs> but according to Andrew Yang, we're 10 years too late. So, I mean, that was... Well, and then what do we do with that? Like, if, if that's the answer, then, well, why are we even bothering with this conversation? Why uh, am I watching this debate? I, I should be go living up life because the, the apocalypse that, is coming. That's what I was thinking. That is... Ex- I, I mean, like, I, that is a really
0: difficult message to kind of lead with, Andrew Yang. Like, we now have to talk about... Like, no, 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 no. You just said we're 10 years too late. Like that's not I mean, a if positive you want to talk
1: about okay here are you know here are ways that we can engineer the climate which I think we're probably gonna have to have that conversation at some point but you know it so yeah Uh, this, see, uh brought to you by Andrew Yang yeah I was gonna say <laughs> brought to you by the 30th
0: anniversary edition of Blade Runner <laughs> Blade Runner the movie that is sort of what Andrew Yang thinks of as what Los Angeles looks like now. Right. <laughs> right. Yes. So uh, Bill De Blasio, I thought he probably had a middle of the road,
1: said some I, good things, but was overshadowed. I, I mean, I think he didn't. He didn't say anything that's going to keep him in this conversation no. for long. But I will say what I really enjoyed about De Blasio's role in this. So there were the, the protesters. And so this is the first debate where we've had some protesters. It was interesting because there was like one person shouting something and you couldn't quite hear it initially. And what it boiled down to is there was um, protesters who were calling for de Blasio to fire uh, uh, Officer Pantaleo. Yeah. And this is the guy who killed Eric Garner. Right. Um, And who an administrative judge today had said
0: should be fired. Yes. But the chief of police
1: needs to make the decision. So, anyhow, the protest happened, and then later on in the, in the debate, Julian Castro actually, like, brought up that guy, Pantaleo, and sort of pushed de, de Blasio to say something about it. And so I really respect the fact that Castro took an issue that protesters brought into the room and elevated onto the stage and centered them that yeah. way. And um, can I say, yeah. Castro, good debate. Yeah, Two in a row. Yes, he did.
0: Two in a row,
1: not a fluke. No, no, he's good. I mean, I will say, like, Castro is like, you know, if I was saying, like mentally rank the candidates, yeah. like he's one of those people who's like right on the bubble of like my top three, you know, like. Yeah, I, I, I thought he was great. I thought he was great. So we've got
0: two debates out of the way. Yes. Third debate coming up in September. I promise to not be traveling. I will actually be in Europe. <laughs>
1: Son I'm going out of my honeymoon, people. That's I will fine. be uh, traveling, and, and yes, I, so I will not be local for that. It's always something. Yes. All right. Well, everybody Also, gets missing the kickoff of football to go back to that. So, you know, it is what it is. But not Calcio. No. No. Actually, so, funny thing is I missed the debates. Eh, it's a separate conversation. Yeah. Anyhow.
0: But we've already got people who have qualified for the third debate. Biden, Sanders, Warren, Buddy Geek. Harris, Booker, Beto, Klobuchar, I think, qualified
1: today. Yes, so we got, to got a couple eight. who are on the bubble. Uh, Yang, there was some dispute back and forth today between him and the DNC. Uh, he said he had qualified. What happens is you need four debate, you need four, excuse me, four polls, Poles. and you need to be above two percent in both in all yep. of those polls. The polls, though, can't all be the same polls. And so they have to be across, like, or yeah. it can be the same poll, but in different regions. There's, like, all sorts of, like, weird nuances to this. So basically, DNC is saying one of those doesn't count because it's the same poll twice. Right. And so he's still not quite there, but he has until August 28th to qualify. Yeah, sure. And he, and he showed up more in this debate, so there's a decent chance he gets there. Yeah, yeah. I,
0: it does feel to me like the same person who wrote the DNC qualification rules also wrote Kamala Harris's like loan forgiveness <laughs> rules.
1: <laughs> right.
0: Well, you yeah, maybe you started two businesses, but they were in the same city, so you can't do that. It's right. gotta be right. Uh, and I think Castro's on
1: the bubble. Yeah, he's got uh, he's got the polling but not the donations. Yeah. And I think.
0: I'm gonna I am gonna do something about yeah, that I mean, today. I'd would, I would
1: be happy to see him in there. Now that gets us to how many candidates if they all ten. get in. That gives us ten. All right, so here's Seth Moulton, an interesting not in. let me let me uh, yeah, Seth Moulton did not make it. Uh let me throw this out there to you. Would you prefer if we got one more candidate in the, in the debates so that we had two nights, but it was five candidates and six candidates, or would you rather have one night and ten candidates?
0: One night, ten candidates. Uh, the qualification for the next debates triples. So, so I, I, yeah. I, I'd rather have one night, 10 candidates. I, As a purer, we, we don't have I'm 11. tired
1: of spending two nights in the bar looking at politics for three hours. Yeah. I'm, I'm kind of in favor of the elections I get like, yeah. one debate. But, I, to um, me, we, we
0: don't have 11 viable candidates. No, we don't. We don't have eight. We,
1: have, we, we still have, realistically, five or six. Yeah. And I um, think
0: I think we have you know five or six presidential candidates.
1: And five or six yeah. vice so then, presidential So the candidates. next debate, it would be six percent to get in. Okay. So that will that would reduce everybody past Buttigieg, basically. Yes. So, um, yeah, and so you know, I'm fine having Gang in there. I'm fine having Castro in there. Um, I <laughs> I put in our notes not on the bubble, Williamson. I I Who was way wa- better.
0: She was way better. Her money in politics stuff, I thought, was really on point. It was really good.
1: Again, low bar. She's, she's (laughs) yeah. What I I find fascinating is I feel like she gets more coverage for people who are concerned that she's going to somehow become the next Trump. And, like, in spite of being a little kooky, she's going to end up, like, getting enough support. In spite of the fact that in the polls, she's never gotten above 1%. No, no. So, Uh, could— yeah. Just 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 relax, everybody. Like, if you just stop talking about her, she will go away. Exactly. And if you asked her, she'd tell you to just relax. Yes. Embrace the love. I'm going to get some crystals out, everybody. Um, uh, and, you're an indigo, man. And my other one would be uh, Delaney. Yeah. Got to go. Just, just go, dude. Come on, man. I mean, you know, the reality of it is, of those sort of remaining candidates... None of them have anything that I think really makes them a unique and valuable person to be part of future debates. Um, you know, if they were going to break out, they would have done it by now. If they were going to develop some grassroots support, they would have done it by now. They have not. So, sorry, but you got to go.
0: Got to thin the herd. Yes. S- since by law, we now me- must mention Representative herd in every... every podcast. Uh, So, yeah, I guess that kind of wraps up our debate coverage. Yeah, I mean, debate in uh, Circus 2020, I mean, I think we'll see some interesting polling numbers over the next couple weeks. Yeah. uh, And some, you know, fundraising numbers.
1: Yeah, so why don't we go do our local here? Let's kind of run through this a little more quickly because I know you have uh, other things you need to do other than your loyal podcasting. So... uh, we had uh, Lori Lightfoot uh, calling hot mic moment. Hot mic moment calling the head of the uh, uh, sh- the Chicago Police Union a clown. Yeah. Uh, I I recall her reaction when called out on it was she shouldn't say it on a hot mic, but it wasn't wrong. <laughs> I mean. I mean, I think she feels pretty untouchable right now. Um, Yeah, I mean, you know, it's early in her administration. She's had some positive things now. What may be catching up with her soon is uh, the preliminary budget, which she has pushed off until August 31st. Notably, Labor Day weekend. Yeah. So trying to, like, minimize the exposure of it. We don't know what kind of holes are in the budget from what ROM left behind. So this could be a little ugly, everybody. And
0: I've heard some things from people who have seen parts of it. Yes. that I have said I wouldn't kind of... They know that I podcast and they listen to it. So rate us on iTunes. When I But but they've they've said kind of prepare yourself for
1: some pretty... That's, that giant sucking sound is money coming out of your property taxes. Yeah. Uh, no, it's it's yeah. coming
0: out of your pocket into the... Anyway. Well, uh,
1: but I will say related to that is if we get the fair tax passed and we can have a better tax system at the state level... That will set up the groundwork that it would allow us to fund things better from the state level yeah. and, and possibly help address some of shortfalls. And I short think calls. that's the plan, right? Yes. I mean, I think that's the plan. There's there's so, some
0: water treading, right? Yes. To see what happens with, with that, um, I, although I, I got to say, you know, city wise, there wasn't a lot, somehow, but in the suburbs, Evanston,
1: Evanston, mm-hmm. <laughs> Jesus, it's spicy so the mayor. Up there. Ask the Cook County Sheriff to investigate. Tom Dart. Yes, Tom Dart. Ask the Co- Cook County Sheriff, Tom Dart, to investigate the entire city council and some other city workers as well because of leaks. And none of these leaks have actually turned into like press coverage or anything like that, so far as I gathered. Um, but basically, there is some undisclosed disciplinary situation. Somebody did something they shouldn't do of a sexual nature. And so, you know, there's privacy rules around all that, and apparently sure. the privacy rules have been violated. And, and all I want to know is that. what happened now. Yeah, no, yeah, like, whatever. <laughs> I didn't know
0: anything about it until he was saying there yeah. were leaks. Now I, I, I bet hear it, these. Leaks. I bet it
1: is as juicy as your IPAs, sir.
0: Yeah, exactly. I, I would like whoever that is to have an anonymous Twitter account. Then I'd have to get Twitter.
1: Right. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> so you went to yeah, lose so some of that? that. Um, in the Illinois news, um, and
0: thank God we've finally gotten another an indictment. We've been like weeks. Yeah, without and this a is a indictment. big one. Cullerton
1: got indicted. Oh wait, other Collerton. It's it's a cousin. I saw this come up. I'm like, holy shit, Collerton. <laughs> like, oh, 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 Tom. Okay, so John Collerton is uh, the head of the, the State Senate, Senate. He's the Senate yes, president. Uh, yes. Yeah. Uh, pretty well known. Tom Cullerton is not that guy. And it's interesting because he's indicted for embezzlement of funds from the teamsters that has nothing really do with his role in office so right. i mean so you know you're getting you're getting indicted that's not a good thing but no no it's not and
0: there were some other things that it looks like this was related to um the gentleman who was arrested a couple weeks ago who said he was going to cooperate so lots of investigations coming out of yeah. that so it's nice to see some just broad house cleaning that is probably I, I, long overdue. I think so. And he's in a mostly Republican district, actually. He's a Democrat in a Republican district. Interesting. So, um, not
1: that flipping one house seat yeah, is well, going to Yeah, matter, that's, yeah that's, that shouldn't make a big difference in Illinois. Um, and then we had a few uh, good laws get signed. Uh, there was a law requiring all single-stall bathrooms to be gender neutral, which is the most non-brainer law ever because— it is dumb to have a men, like, how many times have you been in there's the men's room and there's the ladies' room and they're both one-seaters and you're just standing outside there because the one for your gender is occupied. And then you're like, well, do I go in the other one? And then you have yes. that, that debate. And yes, you should. But I always feel like, no, no, no. Like, I, you know, like, honestly I feel like women always have to wait in line. So, like, you know, I feel like, you know what? This is a little, like, I'll just accept this moment. But Anyhow, that will all go away, as it should. Um, and the salary history one is also interesting. That one I'm really happy about. Yeah, yeah um, it's great. There's a lot of gender bias in salaries, and what you'll see is, you know, a woman will get paid less, and then she goes to the next job, they ask for a salary history, so they pay her less again, and it yeah. just keeps going. And so that's the logic for this law. Um, personally I always hate having those conversations when I'm looking at a job and, and saying what I was paid it's like that shouldn't matter um, so it's good that they're fixing it um, There's a there was a law I didn't get the details of this but basically making it easier for people who have criminal records to get into healthcare jobs um, you know which you know obviously is going to depend on what the crimes are and all that but it's like if somebody had you know minor possession you know should they be blocked from, you know, being able to provide, you know, nursing care or whatever. Yeah,
0: and I think this is one of a series of sort of fair workplace laws that we'll see, hopefully, that that are just, again, they're common sense. They're meant to align with you know, sort of cultural norms um, and maybe correct from some of the things that had happened in the past. So uh, yeah, another good kind of state law passed. Somehow we seem to be pretty effective Yep. And what's interesting about this is that it looks like the bond market is
1: kind of agreeing with this, that we're doing the right things. We've gone from negative to stable, according to Fitch Ratings, which uh, is kind of how I have I've, I've felt about the government in general, is we've yeah. gone from negative. Actually, you know, to be fair, it's more than stable at this point to to my feelings about it. I'm like, we're actually really happy with a lot of what's been yeah. done and pleasantly surprised. Uh, so. But But understand, I mean... That change
0: in our bond rating makes a big difference for how expensive it is to borrow money. Because Absolutely. we're going to need to borrow money to pay for some of the things
1: that we want right. to do. Right. And, and what's happening is basically they're looking at that we're willing to look at how we're structuring our taxes. And yeah. that's going to make a huge difference down yeah. the line. And um, that we're not, you know, kicking it down the road and we're not shutting down the government over things anymore. Yeah. So It's a
0: virtuous cycle. Absolutely. Do the right things. Yeah.
1: It's cheaper to borrow money. We can do more of the right things. We yep. can generate more revenue. So, yeah, so I think that that pretty much wraps us up for local. Um, yeah, and
0: hopefully Illinois will still be uh, a state with Chicago the next time we talk. Hopefully yes. we won't get kicked yes. out. But
1: some, some, some lunatic saying we should kick, they should kick Chicago out of Illinois.
0: This is good coverage of that. I am I'm, I'm enjoying reading about the people who
1: say Chicago should be its own state. Well, I think we should split off into like six states, and then we'll have like 12 senators, and then we will rule everything. It's a good idea. I think it's good. State stacking. The Rockford state and the Chicago state yeah. and the and the downstate state. Yeah, and I think one of the things that uh, <laughs>
0: we could do is maybe just split Chicago into seven cities, the way yes. that article in the Sun Times was really interesting. Um, it's worth reading, actually. It, it's not something that probably we should go into here, but it's it's an article worth reading about the different demographics and the experiences of different people in this city um, and how they're that segregated and separate. Um, but we're not going to be different states with our own senators and representation, Unfortunately. Uh, oh well. Oh well. Maybe we get D.C. to be a state. That'd be nice. We'll take that in Puerto Rico. There we go. Who we didn't talk about
1: got gonna have a new governor right. by the next time we talk yeah that would be the international segment which would have been in the uh, no that would be the national segment my bad <laughs> well and there's I, to the be problem. fair I'm on my third beer at this point people but uh, yeah that'd be the national segment and that would be uh, when yeah. we the get other back together
0: for episode 17 all right but thanks everybody for joining us it's been a long fun week and we will talk to you next time
1: take care everybody